0: Appreciate that, just preparing our heart for worship, and that's what I trust you've come this morning for, is just with an anticipation, just to worship the Lord, and it's certainly good to look out to full house this morning and see a lot of visitors with us, so I welcome you, and I'm glad you're here with us today, encourage you to come back next week and hear our pastor preach as well, and so we just look forward to what the Lord has for us uh, in the service today, so uh, let's open up in a word of prayer, just ask him to bless our service, and then we'll get right into the message this morning, so let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, as we just consider the words of that song, Lord, you say just leave it all behind, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning as we come and settle in around your word for just a little while that we'll do just that. Lord, we'll just cast the cares that can be presented in this life, Lord, just to the side for just a little while and recognize you're sufficient to meet all needs. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for the privilege you give us to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And Lord, as we just read your word this morning. I just pray that it would just penetrate hearts, Lord, and just allow it to move as only your word can move, Lord. There's nothing I can say, there's nothing I can do, Lord, that can draw someone to yourself, Lord, but the power of your word can certainly do that. And that's our prayer this morning, Lord, that if there be one here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they would get that settled, Lord. And for those of us who do know you as our personal Lord and Savior, may we find our place in this message, Lord, to just be more of a Christian that you'd have us to be. Now bless as we open up your word this morning and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Psalm 46, Psalm 46 this morning. That sounds good to hear the pages wrestling as people turn to Psalm 46 in their Bible. As we start this morning, I want to start by just giving you just a couple of dates and a couple of statistics and things to consider. So if you go back to 1921 in Wichita, Kansas, you'll find that the first fast food restaurant opened up. And the name of that fast food restaurant was White Castle. And at White Castle, you could get a burger for five cents. And it was fueled in the 20s by the spread of the assembly line. So everybody wanted to get in on that assembly line activity that's taking place. Well, if you move forward to 2022, do you recognize that the fast food industry accounts for $331 billion annually? Of that market, 31% belongs to hamburgers hamburgers in the fast food market. In fact, if you think about it, there's a McDonald's just about at every exit. And just in my mind, I'm thinking, if I get off of exit 45 in Marion, I'm going to find a McDonald's. If I come on down to exit 35 in Chilhowee, I'm going to find a McDonald's. If I go on down to exit 24, I'll find a McDonald's. Down to exit 17 in Abingdon, I'm going to find yet a McDonald's. Exit 5 in Bristol, I'll find a McDonald's. Exit 1, as I move past Bristol, I'll find a McDonald's, and exit 74 as I get off to go to the Pinnacle, guess what? You'll find a McDonald's. So they're just about at every single corner, and it started a trend of making things faster, making things more convenient. In fact, now, if you go to the McDonald's right here in little old Chilhowie, guess what? You've got two lines, so you don't have to wait as long. You can go in one line or another line. You don't have to wait as long. You can even go inside and order on a screen, or even better, you can order on your app and go to the pull-up, order ahead, and they'll bring it out to you. It's crazy. Now when you go to airports, they don't even have people working behind a counter. Literally, you go on a kiosk and you punch in what you want, then you go up and you get your food. So obviously, we think about that idea to make things faster, make things more convenient, move things ahead. As we think about faster and moving things ahead, and speaking of food, in 1931, there was a man by the name of Willoughby. And Willoughby was accounted for the canned biscuit. He was from Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is not too far from where I grew up, and it's where my brother lives today. So the claim to fame for Kentucky is the canned biscuit. So if you think about that, think about where that progresses to. You go into 1954, and Swanson's introduces the TV dinner. Now, frozen foods, quick prep meals, man, they're a staple in most homes. And if you think about things speeding up, then comes along the computer, IBM computer released in 1981 and it paved the way for computers today. I get tickled all the time because Logan will have papers due in college and different things that he's working on, and he's like, well, all you got to do is Quizlet or Google it or whatever, and I was like, well, we didn't have any of that when I was in college. You know, back in 1987 when I graduated high school, it was ASDFJKL semicolon on the typewriter, and the sentence that you typed on the typewriter was always the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Why did you have to type that? Because it's every letter in the alphabet. And so we were tested at the end of the year as how fast you could type the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Now, if you go back and, you know, Logan said, "Well, what'd you do?" "Good night, Logan. You went to the library, you know. You had to actually go look up magazines and look up books and then when you were writing your paper, you actually had to sit down with pen and paper and start to write those things out so you would have to write it out. In college I did take a computer class and in that class, you go in and there's a huge monitor that sits on your screen there and you got the green and white paper that would scroll through that and you had a dot matrix so you could t- kind of type on that, and so if we think about that, it's amazing today. I mean, you see, you guys sit down and type, or you guys over here, you sit down and type, you don't use HP, and by HP, I don't mean Hewlett Packard. You use hunt and peck. I mean, it's crazy. Two fingers and y'all can whip it out in no time. No more do you all type like this. And if you get a cell phone, it's insane. I mean, what your thumbs can do is amazing. So if you consider that and you think about that, look at how fast things are getting. Look at how fast things are advancing. Take that computer of 1981 all the way forward to 2007 with the introduction of the Apple. So the first generation iPhone. Now, just by show of hands, who has a smartphone in here this morning? Every single one of you just about can raise your hands and say, yeah, I got a smartphone. If we think about a smartphone, think about that. It's convenient, it's quick, and we get a little bit frustrated when it doesn't go as quick as we want it to. It's time for an upgrade. It's slowing down. It's not holding the battery charge. I need an upgrade. Think of fast Point broadband's in the area, promising, fast, high-speed internet, quick as we can get it to you. Do you know you can even pay for things to be fast? If you go to the amusement park, you can pay $60 or $80 for what's called a time-saver pass. So on top of your regular ticket, you can get a time saver pass at Dollywood so that you can enjoy more of the rides there, get in line for more things. And if you pay the $80, that gives you more convenience for more things there. Listen, this idea of speeding, rushing, getting ahead, it's even infiltrated America's game, baseball. I mean, think about it. Now in baseball, there's a pitch clock, and its entire purpose is to speed the game up. They want it to speed the game up. So players have 30 seconds to resume play between batters. And between pitchers, pitchers have 15 seconds. If nobody's on the bases in 20 seconds, if there's a base runner, then the pitcher must start. So as we consider where we're at today, would you say we live in a fast food, time saver world? Absolutely. Absolutely. We live in a fast food, time saver world to the point, if you're being honest and you're in church, so you've got to be honest, if you go to McDonald's in the double line and it takes longer than what it should, do you get a little frustrated? The answer is yes. When you go to the grocery store and it clearly says 10 items for the express lane and the person in front of you has 14 and is going slow, does it frustrate you? The answer is yes. You're like what are you doing? Come on, scan and go, scan and go. Let's get out of here. If we're really being honest, we get our feathers a little bit ruffled if church goes much past noon because we've got somewhere we've got to be. We're willing to come in and give that period of time that we need to be here, but if we're really being honest, we're thinking, come on, I've got to get on to the next thing. I've got to hurry up and get out of here. If he holds us over... <laughs> I might as well forget it. We're not going to a restaurant. We're going to fast food because I'm not going to sit and wait. So as we consider that, I want you to think about how our fast food society, how our fast-paced society has infiltrated our Christian walk. From a spiritual perspective, we've gotten so accustomed to instant gratification and wanting things right now that we're missing out on God's best for us. Do you realize that in the scope of what the Lord has for us, never did he intend for us to go fast? He's not concerned with the fast lane. He's not concerned with a time-saver pass. He's not concerned with our fast food preferences. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, said this, he said, you want to know what life should really be about for the Christian? You want to know what you need to focus on as a Christian? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, he says this, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. But he goes on to say this. He says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So this morning, for just a little while, I want to settle in. I want to ask you to think about where does this fast food, time-saving idea mentality fit in my Christian walk? And I think you'll find that, you know what, the reality is, it doesn't fit there. And if I'm going to speed through and make hasty decisions, am I apt to make mistakes? Absolutely you are. But the Bible says clearly, God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Don't you think it's important to slow down when it comes to spiritual things? Don't you think it's important to make sure we have right actions, right attitudes before a holy God? We leave God out because we're way too busy. And when you leave God out because you're way too busy, you're more apt to make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, guess what? You're going to be held accountable for that. We're accountable for all of our actions So having turned in Psalm 46, I want to read through Psalm 46, and we'll focus in on one verse. Beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 46, it says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled through the mountains, or though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall be made glad, the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh the wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh down the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder, and he burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So as we look at just the context of that verse, we see here that David is singing a psalm of praise there, but as he as he pins this phrase there, it's in the midst of what was battle. And just after that battle, he's reflecting on God's protection. And as he looks to God's protection, he says there in verse 1, "God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in Trouble In verse 5, he says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. But in verse 10 is where I want to spend a little time this morning. In verse 10, if you look, it says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Now, isn't that just contrary to what we just looked at in our fast food society? He simply says, be still and know that I am God. God. Now, if we're going to break that down, and that's exactly what I want to do this morning, I want to take a look at that. What is it he has for us? What does he want for us? Recognizing we're not going to change fast food society. We're not going to change time saver passes. We're not going to change an HOV lane on the interstate. And the reality is we're not going to change our desire to benefit and enjoy those things. But when it comes to our spiritual walk, we ought to be still and know that he is God. You know, the first word in that simply is be. And that word be means to be present. So this morning, the first thing I want to remind you when it comes to your spiritual walk is just simply be. Just be there. Be present in that. See, we have gotten so busy running around to and fro from this and that that most people never slow down enough to recognize that they're a sinner. And if you never slow down to recognize that you're a sinner, guess what? You'll never recognize your need for a Savior. If we consider what God has for us, let me just help you with a couple of things. If you're running into church and sitting in church on Sunday, even on Wednesday night, and you say, I've done my part, I've been in church Coming to church will not save you. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I'm going to ride on the coattails of my parents and my grandparents. They were great Christians and I don't have time for that, but they sure did, so that's how I'll get saved. Let me help you. That will not save you. Do you know in order to be saved, you have to be called by the Holy Spirit of God? You can't pick and choose when you're going to be saved. You can't be so busy in life running around and then decide one day, you know, today I think I'll be saved. It just doesn't work that way. In order to be saved, you have to be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, and when he calls upon your life, you have to be ready to answer. But the problem is if you won't slow down long enough to hear from him, you're never going to get saved. And if you're never going to get saved, how can you be still and know that he's God? That's what he desires for you. He says, I want you to simply be. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen, salvation is easy. It's not hard at all. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's easy. But guess what? It's something you have to do. Nobody else can do it for you. And you can't pick and choose when you're going to do it. You have to be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, and yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, when he calls upon you, you have to be present. You have to be there so that you can hear that. Now listen, I know on a Sunday morning I'm mostly preaching to people who are saved. But I also know this. There's probably somebody here this morning who's not saved. There's probably somebody here this morning who says, you know what, the reality is that's me. I've been rushing in to do church and play in church. I've been riding on the coattails of this or that and I've been hope so, think so, maybe so but I certainly don't know so. Can I tell you, this morning God wants you to be still and know that he's God. He desires to move in your life and change your world. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living in with you, you're going to know it. You don't have to wonder about it or think about it, but slow down long enough to get that settled. Just take a minute To ask yourself, do I truly know the Lord is my personal Lord and Savior? And if you can't answer that with 100% confident yes, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit of God's drawing you today. Today's the day that he wants you to get that settled. All right, Christians, now for the rest of us. We're saved, we know so. We got 100% confidence that we're saved. But how many times do we do this? How many times do we say, you know, starting tomorrow, (laughs) I'm going to pray more. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to really start spending time in God's word. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to look and share to try to meet the needs of others. I'm just going to see what I can do tomorrow. But here's what happens. When tomorrow comes, it's just like the day before. We're just like a bunch of hamsters. We get on the wheel and we take off running and where do you get? Nowhere. You're just spinning the wheel. You're running and you're getting nowhere but tired. Let me help you with something. Hurry will never let you accomplish what God desires to accomplish in your life. If you have a desire and you want to read your Bible more, then you have to determine to be. Be present. If you want to read your Bible more, who's keeping you from doing it? You are. You're the only person keeping you from doing it. But hurry will convince you that you don't have time. Because what's going to happen, just like every other day, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to have a choice to make and you're going to say, you know, today I want to read my Bible more. But... Before I get the kids off to school, i got this, this, and this to do. Before I get to work, I've got this, this, and this to do. Once I get to work, man, I've got a thousand things going on. Man, during my lunch break, I've got to run here and go there and take care of this. Then after work, after school, we've got to get on the ball field for practice. And then we've got to go from this practice to that practice over there. We're going to grab some fast food and hope it's fast so that we can get that. After we grab that, we're going to come in at night. Good night. Now I've got to get the kids ready for bed. We've got to get through that homework. We've got to go to bed and hurry has just convinced you that you don't have time. Hurry didn't help you get what you wanted out of God. We may say that tomorrow I want to pray more. Hurry's going to convince you that well, there's no need praying because God already knows my heart. You know what, how does God know unless you tell him? God desires to have a personal relationship with you. God desires to have a communion with you for you to spend time with him and him with you. Don't mess or miss rather, that fellowship that can be with God. What if we say, you know what? Tomorrow, I want to encourage others. I want to be present more. Let me just tell you, hurry's going to make you so busy that you don't even see the need. Listen, we have a world today that is hurting. We have a world today that people are carrying around far more than we could ever imagine. If you look at statistics alone, in 2021, there were just under 50,000 suicides. And if you look at that, that's one death for every 25 attempts. It's gone up by 3.6%. And it's primarily, from a United States perspective, men are subject to suicide, women are subject to suicide, and young children are subject to suicide as well. Needs that they have. Have you ever thought and wondered, man, wonder what just one simple kind word or act of kindness towards somebody, how that could change their path, how that could redirect their steps? But let me just tell you, hurry is going to keep you so busy, you're not ever going to see the need. When you have a desire to serve the Lord, let me just help you. There are no time saver shortcut passes to being in Christ. His intention is not for you to get saved and then hurry up and get through to the end of this thing. His intention is for you to slow down and just desire to be what he'd have you to be. He wants you to get out of that canned biscuit mentality and get into that preparation. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What are you doing to seek God? You gotta be. You gotta be present. You gotta be there if you desire to seek God. But let's look at that second word there, still. It says, be still. Well, in the context of that verse, it's not meaning to stop in your tracks. In the context of that verse, that word still comes from the Hebrew word rapha. And it means to let go or to release or to surrender. You see, if we put that together in the context of what we're talking about this morning, that's what he wants. He says, you know what I want? I want you to be still or I want you to be surrendered to me. I want you to recognize that I am going to give you a Christian journey to follow. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Don't miss out on God's best for you. Don't miss out on the blessings that He lays out before you. He says, Be still or surrendered unto Him. Now, how many of you like to wait? Nobody. Nobody likes to wait. But if we look back and we look at examples in the Bible, look at Moses. Moses, after he leaves, he says, I'm never going to return to Pharaoh. That's a promise. But there are no shortcuts around the Red Sea and 40 years in the wilderness. Look at Joseph. He landed in the palace, but before he could be in the palace, from the pit to the palace, 13 years had passed. The Lord made a promise to Abraham saying, I'll make a seed from you, your son Isaac, 25 years before that came to pass. As we look at others, we see Jacob, 14 years he waited on Rachel. Rachel. As we even consider Jesus, as he came to earth to do that which the Father commanded him to do, he said this in Matthew. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. He said, you know what? My whole desire is just to live in the will of God and what he would desire for me. You see, God wants you to be surrendered. God wants you to stop rushing and pushing him And just set back, settle in, and be still. Be still and know that he is God. Now why does God slow things down? Why does he slow things down? He slows things down because he doesn't want you to mess up. He slows things down because that's how much he loves you. It's because he wants to direct your steps and allow you to be yielded unto him. How many times do we have a decision to make? And if we're being honest, we make the decision and then we say, come on, God, catch up with me. I've already made the decision, but you come on and get on board here. That's not what God desires. What God desires is that we would seek him in making that decision before we make the decision. And then under his counsel and his lead and recognizing he has a much better perspective on things than we do, then we trust as to what that next step's gonna be. You know why you get in a mess? It's because you get ahead of God. You know why you get in a mess? It's because you make a decision outside of God's will and then sometimes he leaves you there for a little while. Not to say he won't bring you out of that, but sometimes you're left there a little while because you made the decision. He said it could have been a lot easier on you, but you made that all on your own. What about if I'm pressing God to do something? Does God need our help? He doesn't need our help. But how many times do we take something to the altar, we give it to God, yet we hold on to the corner of it? Come on, God, I I, I trust you to do this for me, but I'm going to press you. You're not getting it done in my time. I'm having to wait a little bit for this, so I'm just going to pick it up again and help muddy the waters up for you again. And as you sat there and you just muddied the waters just when he was about to break through, now you've got to wait some more so he can show himself faithful. He says, when you give it to me, when you're pressing me for something, will you just trust me? I'm going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. But What about it when we're trying to put God on a timetable? We're trying to make things happen. You know, for those of you who are just graduating college, you know, and Isaac, I said, you know, how'd it go yesterday Graduating?" he said, it's good, but now it's kind of scary. <laughs> the reality is setting in. Amen. The reality sets in. And as we think about that and we think about what we have in our future, all of us, no matter where we're at, we have this idea that, you know, by this age I want to have this and by this age I want to do this and by this age I want to do this and, you know, the Lord's going to do this by this age and I've got it all planned out and mapped out and this is exactly how it's going to go in my timing. All the while, God says, just surrender it to me. You know why people make mistakes in relationships? Because they don't wait on God. God says, I've got that perfect someone out there for you. But you got in a hurry and you wanted it in your time and before you got X age. And now look what you got. You know what God says when he says, you know, I want a house. We're married and I want a house. And God says, not now. You better wait. You better be patient. Wait for that right thing to come along. No, God, I want it right now. Boom. You got it. and You got the payment that goes with it. And now when you've got the stress on your life because you made a hasty decision, you've got to go back and ask yourself, how did I get in that mess? Yeah. You know what, God? I want a new car right now. I want this. I want that. I want, I want, I want. And I want it all by this time. When you get ahead of God, we're not surrendering to God. We're not being still and trusting Him just to be God. And that's exactly what He wants to drive home. That's what He's telling us this morning. He says, in the midst of life, when all this chaos and all this crazy goes around, what you've got to do is just be still and know that I am God. God slows us down because he loves us. Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 reminds us of this. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Do you know this morning, you don't have to take one step outside of the will of God. But what you got to do is you got to be still and know that he's God. You can't get on a time saver, fast pass, can biscuit, hurry up routine. You got to slow down. You got to spend the time, and you got to let God And then when he does it, he'll delight in the steps that you're taking. You know why? Because he's shown you the step to take. He's shown you exactly what you need to do. Going back to that verse in Psalm 46, it says, Be still and know. That word know just simply means to perceive with certainty and understand clearly. If you don't get anything else, this is one thing you can take to the bank. You can understand with certainty and clearly that he is God. And that is all we need to know. He is God. So what do we think? What does that mean? He is God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 and 21 says this. Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, verse 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what God desires to do? He simply wants to make you perfect in his sight. Not by your own will, but by the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And speaking of Jesus Christ, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In our fast-paced world, don't forget to be still and know that he is God. You know, if we think about it and we think about what he's got for us, so many times we miss out on the preparation, the preparation. You know, I think back to when I was growing up, my uncle had a farm in Kentucky and we would go there sometimes in the summer. And when we were visiting there, my grandmother, we called her Mert. Her name was Meredith, but she was our Mert. My aunt, her name was Paulette. But Mert and Paulette could get in the kitchen and make a feast out of nothing. It was insane. I mean, they could go in there and you walk in and they've got lard and butter and whatever else just sitting out. And they were like, oh, they're coming in from the fields for lunchtime. What are we going to do? And then there's a whole spread. (laughs) Everything from bacon to sandwiches to macaroni and tomatoes to cake to everything in between every single day. But what they do, they took time to prepare. But when that meal was prepared, guess what happened? Everybody that was there, no matter where you were working, what you were doing, what'd you do? Everybody sat down around that table, and you ate. And you just slowed down for just a little while. Just a minute, just to eat. That's exactly what God desires for you. He says, you know what, in this world of craziness, I just want to sit down and commune with you for just a little while. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to close just reminding you where we started and that's this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. I want to be clear and remind you of this. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. Don't let hurry rob you from experiencing the blessing of God of God. He's right there where he's always been and he's just waiting on you. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we just close the message this morning, Lord, we just want to thank you for, again, your word, Lord, and the reminder that you want us just to be still and simply know that you are God. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that if there be one here that can't say with certainty that they've been saved, Lord, Perhaps they're doubting that. They just don't know for sure. May they recognize that today is a divine appointment. Today is a day when the Holy Spirit of God desires to draw them unto himself, Lord. Lord, in obedience, all they have to do is just make that first move and you'll be right there every step of the way. So Lord, my heart's desires that there be someone here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day that they would get that settled. And Lord, if we're being honest Every one of us who claim to be a Christian, Lord, we could honestly say, you know what? I'm guilty sometimes of being in a hurry. I'm guilty of sometimes saying, well, tomorrow I want to do this better or I want to do that better. I want to do this better. But the reality is, Lord, we're not going to do any of that unless we're first present, unless we're first surrendered, and unless with clarity we know that you're God and you're capable to handle all things. So Lord, encourage us in that this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.